Hi, I'm Sunny Dean. And I'm Scott Drakeford. And this is the Publishing Radio Podcast. In 2022, we both launched debut novels in the same genre with the same publisher in the same year. But despite having very similar starts, our books and subsequently each of our careers went in very different directions. That pattern repeats itself throughout the industry over and over. Why do some books succeed while others seem to be dead on arrival? In this podcast, we aim to answer those questions and many more, along with how to build and maintain an author career. Everyone signing a contract deserves to know what they're really signing up for. In an industry that loves its secrets, we'll be sharing real details from real people. We'll cover the gamut of life as a big five published author, from agents to publishing contracts, finances, and more. So last episode, Scott and I touched a little bit uh, on part of our publishing journeys uh, over how Scott was kind of screwed over from the start, whereas I was better set up for success. We didn't have a chance to go into that into detail. Uh, And this whole podcast will be deconstructing our experiences. But on today's episode, we're going to talk about a part which I think is a linchpin to all author experiences, the bookseller and the kind of the corporate book buy, how your book gets into stores, what happens when they're there, the role of booksellers, their significance in this process, and the ways in which your publisher handles all of that, which have an impact on your book's launch and performance. So today we are really excited to invite three fantastic guests, the first of which is Jeremy Greathouse. You might know him as JT Greathouse. If you know me at all. (laughs) Um, JT is a, sorry, Jeremy is both a fantasy author and a bookseller, so he's very uniquely positioned. And we also have the wonderful Claire and Carrie, who have kindly agreed to join us today. Um, And after today's episode, Scott and I will get together and do a deconstruction episode later. But for the moment, I just want to welcome Jeremy, Claire and Carrie. Thanks for having us on. Happy to be here. Do you want to do you want to tell us a little bit about your bookstore, what your you guys are all about, and then we'll launch into some questions. The Auntie's Bookstore here in Spokane opened 1978, so it's been, we've been around for a while. We are the biggest independent bookstore in our area. We're right in the heart of downtown. Yeah, maybe even between Seattle and Moscow, probably. Yeah, probably. Right? Yeah, I think so. I can't think of another one. So I mean, we're kind of a big deal, but uh, <laughs> regionally, kind of a big deal. I am. The the general manager at Antes. I've been there for about six years. I do a lot of frontless buying, a lot of sideline buying, day-to-day reorder stuff. I do a lot of. My name is Claire and I've been at Antes for about four years. Um, and I used to run our events program and then transitioned into doing more wholesale buying for uh, the store, more front, bringing more front list in. Uh, yeah, and I've been doing that for about a year. And then I'm Jeremy, and I've just been a bookseller there. Used to do consignment when I worked full time, um, so getting a lot of local authors' books into the store. And now I just work part time there, mostly because I can't leave. They've got hooks in me emotionally, and also selling <laughs> books on the cheap. So I think we're like a generalist bookstore. Mm -hmm. We stock a little bit of everything. We have to have things that are appealing to sort of all demographics. We've got a really healthy children's section. So we really do just do everything. Do everything. Yeah. Cool. So you guys mentioned a whole bunch of terms, some of which I know, uh, (laughs) but some I don't. So uh, if you don't mind before, you know, we launch into the real questions or whatever, and if it's okay with you, Sonia. Can we? Can I ask real quick what 
each of these means. So front list means? Uh, front list is new stuff that's coming out. So when publishers put out their big sort of omnibus catalogs, it's seasonal. So it's like spring, summer, fall and winter quarters. They put out these big catalogs with like all the new shit that's coming out. And so and then backlist then would be the stuff that isn't the new stuff. I forget exactly when the time frame is. just kind of a specific time frame, but I don't off the top of my head remember when it is. Just basically like yeah. new releases versus sort of the old standbys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you use the term sideline buying. Is that to you backlist? No. Um, sideline, it, you know, we're, we're primarily a bookstore, but people love to buy Socks. other things. <laughs> I think okay. That bookstores Merch. have okay. survived uh, through the big box guys. And then of course, the A word that won't be named um, <laughs> is to kind of have, a, it's kind of like a side hustle. So we have in addition to yeah. books, we sell tea and stickers mm -hmm. and t-shirts. And we try to keep it kind of all like, okay, what's the thing that you need to have an afternoon of reading experience? Um, and we try to provide yeah. that. You know, other bookstores have gone way harder in some of the sort of the gifty sideline ways. But um, but yeah, socks. Socks are... Oh my God, people spend so much goddamn money on <laughs> socks. We sell more socks than books at this point. But it is funny sometimes to have someone be like, $30 for a hardcover book and then turn around and buy seven pairs of socks for $12 each. And you're just like, <laughs> I guess. How long until it's a combo bookshop liquor store? Ooh, it might. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say this for the benefit, since you don't necessarily know us, and for anyone who maybe is starting not at episode one, Scott and I have this same publisher. We debuted in the same year. We write in the same genre, but we had very different experiences in our launch years. And we are kind of looking at publishing from that angle of what happens when, you, when authors fall on other sides, you know, opposite sides of that mid-list dividing line. And I did notice that when my publish when our publisher was preparing um, for my debut year, they were really going after booksellers very hard. Uh, I don't know. Mm. What, I'm guessing your experience was not that, Scott. This is the point in the podcast where I decide how much I want to say. I couldn't even get answers. I I would ask about you know, hey, you know, I'm I'm hearing that this is kind of a big deal in in getting ready for launch. Like, what are you doing? And what can I do to help? Right. Because I was I was full time already at that point. I was very willing to to dig in and, and do whatever I could to help. And it was just, you know, vague answers or silence or deflection. Mm -hmm. And I was left very confused. But also at the same time, I could feel it, I, you know, I could feel it coming. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I kind of got a sense at that point for, uh, of like, oh, God this isn't going to go anything like what I thought it was going to be. And, and, you know, I learned some of the terms that we're talking about now, you know, just the basic stuff. So like front list and back list, just because I happened upon the, I don't know how you say it in uh, correct English or German, but Edelweiss, Edelweiss, however you say it. And I, I probably heard about that from uh, Sunny actually. And, you know, I, I saw the tour calendar, or I'm sorry, the tour catalog come out, right? And like, I had to scroll all the way down to find my book. And like, they didn't have my cover in there. And I think my, uh, oh, my bio was wrong at that point. Like, <laughs> it was the wrong author. 
Yeah, it was the wrong author. Yeah, 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 yeah. My, my real name is Scott Smith, and I didn't publish under the name Scott Smith because there's another Scott Smith who publishes thrillers, and he's also a screenwriter. Yeah, and, and he's fairly well known. Like He's my, my agent's favorite thriller author. Um, so my agent and my editor were like, yeah, you should probably find like another family name. And so Drakeford is family name. So come, <laughs> come to find out, you know, I look up the catalog and they have that guy's bio. Like they ignored the bio I sent them. They ignored the, the bio that my agent had given them. And like my, my editor is fully aware that I'm not this other Scott Smith and I'm using this name because of the other Scott Smith. And yet they literally just went online, I guess, and stole this other guy's bio. Like he has film credits for whatever, you know, books have been turned into movies. I'm like, what the fuck? This guy's gonna, he's gonna come sue me now. (laughs) So anyway. Yeah, wow. my my introduction to uh, publisher catalogs was not great. No, it's so bad. Say on the flip side, the, my, the yeah. same publisher basically said, we're going to hold your hand and do everything for you and don't worry about a thing. And that was a fairly accurate <laughs> summary of my experience. Um, so I have nothing to complain over and no one can sue me, but I'm very aware that I'm extremely lucky and privileged. So yeah, we're curious what that looks like from the bookseller side. Uh, if you see that divide between books and authors and, and how that comes across and how publishers push different titles or don't. Yeah. Definitely. We were just cringing at the no, no cover image thing. Cause it's like, we have so little to go on. Yeah. Like our, so these catalogs are, so I just did all of Macmillan spring. So that's every imprint that Macmillan distributes and mm-hmm. publishes. It's 700 titles. Yeah. yeah. And, Which, and that's pretty standard for yeah. like the big, you know, the big, big four, four yeah. big five, whatever it is now. Um, yeah, it's just like this huge list um, and you get markups. So they send you first, you get sort of the big omnibus. And then a little bit later, your sales rep says, hey, I did markups for you. And so some of the 700 titles will have little notes about like, this is what this is about. This is, you know, these are the reactions we're getting. These are the the marketing things we're going to be doing for yeah, this title. This is why out. this is essentially why you should be paying attention mm-hmm. to it. Whereas, I mean, every book in the 700 page catalog has, you know, like mm-hmm. remarks that are sort of quick. They have the detailed synopsis of the book and then like uh, a list of comparable, comparable titles. Mm-hmm. So you can look up sales data for those. And that like that's helpful, yeah. like to a point, right? <laughs> you yeah. know, what like and so the, our meetings with our regional sales reps are the things that really show things, uh, put things into relief a little bit more. Yeah, I think. yeah. Um, but it is interesting because there are definitely like, you can tell like, okay, these are the ones that they're like pushing. Yeah. They, they're <clears> highlighted <throat> in yellow. Right. They highlighted have in yellow. extra artwork. They have a ton of yeah. different like notes on them that are like, this is this, this is this, here are all these blurbs we have already, yeah. you know? Yeah. And like half the time they'll say there'll be a little thing on it that says lead read, you know? So it's yeah. like, yep, this is, yep. you know, in the indie next priority, you know, like they're really pushing it. Yeah. Or the, the yeah, the uh, sales rep will say, this is such and such imprints lead title for this quarter. Yeah. Or, I mean, and there's also, I mean, I don't know how this tracks for you, but you, we can, we can download digital review copies mm-hmm. yeah. and which books have digital review copies for us to, cause that's a, I mean, that's a big reason why I 
take a chance on things a lot of the time is if I take a look at it and I think it's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if it's a, if it's got like a small print around, I'm like, oh, okay, slap this on a table. Maybe we oh, can yeah. sell it. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, where where are you typically pulling those uh, digital review copies from? Directly from Edelweiss. Edelweiss. Yeah. Okay. Yep. They, very uh, interesting. A lot of us personally read from a very wide variety of things. We're interested in like smaller presses and um, it is frustrating sometimes because there is sort of a lack of access to a lot of the things that yeah. I think we would be interested in bringing into the store. And oftentimes I'll just order blind anyway, because it's like, you know, mm. great cover, interesting premise, you know, like good blurbs. Yeah. I like the press. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like, Oh, I know that I like, you know, new directions. So I'm going to take a chance yeah. on stuff that they're putting out, but it is frustrating sometimes when you're like, yeah, I want to know about this book though. Like yeah. I know that like Colleen Hoover is going to sell, but like, tell me more about this other stuff. Like, no. And that's pushing this stuff. That's an era area where I feel like we have a lot of power. Like mm-hmm. the, the kind of makeup of the staff at our bookstore has changed a lot in the last three or four years. Yeah. And with the things that people put, like we sell books that are like kind of obscure just because one person on staff liked them a lot. So I wouldn't be yeah. surprised with some of these like smaller press books if we're selling 50% more than another bookstore mm-hmm. in the region, just because of like, one yeah. staff pick like, yeah and so we yeah. have like have the power to move those things yeah like think about how many copies of when we cease to understand the world we've sold claire just because you and i both wrote shelf talkers for it and like yeah and like like nobody else probably is selling anywhere near that many copies of it even yeah. though it's like an award-winning book because it just flew under the radar yeah yeah well and when you read the blurb for that you're not necessarily like that's not a bestseller sounding no. book I mean, it sounds right. like well, that's a little weirder than what, yeah. People, you know, or like, or like, but your shelf talker, Jeremy <laughs> says, this is simultaneously like, what is it? The best work of horror and science. And like, I mean, it's just so like the bookseller recommendations really matter yeah. or even just like where it is on the mm-hmm. store. Like if we like something, we're going to put it on our display and it's going to mm-hmm. sell on our display. Yeah. Yeah. Which is well, a is, little that's... disheartening sometimes is like things you <laughs> get lost. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. But that's kind of the power though of having a bookseller vouch for something is there are so many books on our shelves, you know, like and people come yeah. in and you see their eyes glaze over a little bit. You know, you've got the people who are like, like, <clears throat> like all they want to do is spend hours browsing the stacks. But then you have people who come in and they're just like, Oh my God, I just want to read something fun. Like, uh, like they don't know where to go. So mm-hmm. have, if you can stand up and go like, this is the book you want. They're like, yes, yes, this is the book I want. Thank you. You know? And it's, it's great. Like you can really, get some interesting things into people's hands that way. Yeah. If- but the problem, the problem <laughs> yeah. is like, we can't do that if the publishers don't get us information about the book. Right. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. when, when new things are coming out, it, it feels like I learn about things months after they've come out that I think are really cool that like we never got arcs for, or we never heard about, or like the we publisher didn't. Reader copies yeah. For- yeah. 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 They, they didn't do anything to like, let us know that this existed. And then, it's only after one of us has sort of looked like seen it on the shelf because we ordered like yeah. one copy yeah. and then read it that we've, we've realized, Oh, this is amazing. And we should be selling this. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, I remember Scott telling me that you can go into it in a minute, Scott, but basically that we couldn't get, he couldn't get tour to send arcs out to booksellers at all. Um, and on the flip side, I mean, I've got two publishers, one for the American, one for the, the UK side, and I'm in the UK. My UK publisher was sending custom cake pops to the, the bookstores here. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. 
It's just that well, disparity blew yeah. my mind. It's like I'm literally like I spent two days driving around bookstores in like a, a 60 mile radius just delivering cake pops. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah yeah that was another thing is I I I knew I was well and truly fucked when my editor came back and said, "Oh yeah, we're not doing arcs for books anymore." And I was like, mm, "Aren't you though?" Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like yeah. like I I saw Orbit doing uh, the special edition arcs for Richard around that time, and you know I I had met Sunny around that time. Um, I had galleys and arcs. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, yeah, man. That, sorry, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Really yeah. Well, sorry. I mean, I mean, I, yeah. That that's it was that was an interesting uh, journey. But uh, I just want to back up real quick because oh, we yes. we mentioned some things that you know people might not be aware of, even you know new authors, because mm. I I found out about this relatively late. So we referenced um, Edelweiss that, and correct me if I'm wrong, especially Carrie, Claire, and and Jeremy. Um, but Edelweiss is just a, a site for essentially like wholesaling information, right? From publishers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, and I think it's grown even just in the last like five or six years a lot. Um, but <clears throat> all of the major publishing houses upload their full catalogs, both front list and back list. So you have access to basically everything that's still in print from these, these publishers. Um, and more yeah. and more, more and more smaller publishers and presses are getting onto Edelweiss, which is really cool because it's just like, it's just a really straightforward. And I would think so much less expensive way of getting like your catalogs out to buyers than trying to send out print catalogs that, I mean, yeah. that just has to get astronomically expensive for small presses. Like you can't yeah. do it, but at least like if they can upload their catalog to Edelweiss and start sending out email blasts of like, Hey, come check out, you know, verso fiction you know or whatever like and having it all be linked with you know there's a place for booksellers to leave reviews for um indie next which is Mm -hmm. kind of the the trade public newsletter that nominates books and highlights books Mm -hmm. um also that's where all of the um sort of bidding for events happens um yes yeah yeah. you know more about this than i do but like for them they send out like grid lists it's their grids and they send out these lists of like this this is who is going yeah. on tour. This like, is what we're looking for. And I can raise my hand and say, yes, at Auntie's Bookstore, we would like to host this person. Here's why it's a good fit. If you are an author, um, you can make an account on Edelweiss. Any person can, as far as I know. You're limited, I think, depending what type of account you have. But there is a ton of information there, some of it more useful than others. I think the print runs always through me because they appear to be a complete fantasy totally <laughs> disconnected with reality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And particularly tours were just kind of, it is, uh, the, the phrase my agent said is it's more of a vibe than an actual <laughs> fact. So I think my print run on Edelweiss was listed at about 150 and we were maybe 30, um, which was still a solid print run on the day, but it's not 150K. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, mine, mine was listed at, I, I believe, 75,000 and they printed 10,000. Whoa. Yeah, it's total fantasy. It's a vibe. I know of other uh, debut authors because I mostly know debuts, but I know of other debuts that were, you know, publicized at seventy-five or a hundred, um, and they had five thousand, uh, six thousand printed. So, yeah, there it's it. There it's, is no. 
that number goes up before they know what the print is because yeah. I think print runs decided like the month before you, you go. So they're saying, well, we hope, you know, our wildest <laughs> dreams. I think that like, many things in publishing are this way. Many of the numbers mm. that you receive as an author or as a bookstore in, in marketing material is an est like a, 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 an optimistic estimate, right? It's like, <laughs> we would like to do this, but eh. like, cause we get, we get a lot of advanced reader copies that come with like, on the back of the of the arc will be the promotional plan or like here's what we're going to try to do to push this book and it'll say like national tour and then that never actually materializes for the book the national tour might be like boston new york and like philadelphia right yeah <laughs> but it's a lot of it's a lot of like here's what we would like to do for this book and if enough people decide to order it to their store we might do some of these things because yeah. that will indicate that there's momentum for it but not none of it is a promise Never believe promises in publishing. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you're an author, just throwing that out there, like they will promise you the world. And even if they promise you a lead title, I, I think in the end, um, money talks and action talks, doesn't it? So contracts too. Even, contracts, even then, yeah. it's not it's not a hundred, but yeah, contract. Contract is better yeah. than them saying something. So how are yeah? How are initial ordering numbers determined for you guys? How do you decide this is going to be a big order or this is going to be a small order? And, and real quick, before you answer that, did I hear right that every season, so four times a year, you get catalogs just from the big five that each have seven to 800 books? Yeah, most of yeah. us do more than one, too. Yeah. Like Carrie's got. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do part of Penguin Random House. So Penguin Random House is just huge. huge. So I also like split into yeah. three different catalogs, and they're all burly. And then uh, Simon & Schuster has like Simon & Schuster's catalog and then Simon Schuster's distributed. So like their partner's catalog and each one of those is like six to 800 titles, you know? So it's like, you're just like slogging through. And then Harper Collins is like massive. And then Harper Children's is also massive. And you're just like, oh boy. Like when I first started doing it, cause I had worked at, as a buyer for other places and we did like smaller kind of book sections. And we just kind of like, it was all just like, this is cool, whatever gut reaction to stuff. But yeah, when you're slogging through 800 titles. Yeah, and especially like with stuff that, <clears throat> you know, and I, I think I have like a lot of familiarity with things that I'm not like personally interested in. Yeah. But I mean, just from working at the bookstore for as long as I have. But if you're if you're trying to pick which fucking cozy mystery right. you think is going to sell. Like, yeah, do we go with the knitting pun? Do we go with the fudge pun? Do we do the, the kink pun? Yeah, yeah, like it's hard. Yeah. It's hard and... And it is like we were saying, some of them have more notes than others. Like these are the, these are the guys that got the big advances, so we're like really pushing mm -hmm. these guys. Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of by the end, sometimes it's almost like, did my did my rep run out of steam? Like, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know when there's like zero comps. Yeah, you're something. just like, okay, well, I guess. Yeah. So from the author perspective, a if your publisher isn't pushing it through your sales rep. Uh, or B, if the sales rep for your publisher's owner, right? Because it sounds like it's it's a in in our example, it would be a Macmillan rep, not a tour rep, right? Yeah, correct. So, it, like if they're sick or having a bad day, that you know when when your book's coming out, you're just hosed. Yeah, yeah, I Possibly, mean, yeah. it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, and, it, and I think it probably is like I think it starts before it gets yeah. to the rep. Yeah. like I don't. I, mean, I, I think, think it happens way above the sales rep. 
because most of it, I mean, our sales reps are like, I mean, they're regional. They're like based yeah. in Seattle, you know? So like, and they also, I mean, like for three, three months, yeah. <laughs> so for three months, presumably for 40 hours a week, they yeah. are looking at the same yeah. catalog we are. Well, and honestly, yeah. like yeah. You, you sort of put a little bit of stock or faith into the idea that your rep has like some insight onto, you know, like some insight into like the, the books that are being published this quarter, but there's no way any of them have time to really pour over six to 800 titles in a couple of months, you know, like it's just not yeah. possible. Uh, I would say a pretty heavy downside of there only being like a big five in the publishing <laughs> industry is like, there's yeah. just so much, you know, it's like yeah. so yeah. many titles are in the hands of so few that there's just no way everybody can get yeah. sort of the attention that they, they deserve. You As know? Stephen King said during the <laughs> Simon <laughs> Schuster penguin. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, competition seems good. Seems like I've heard it's a good idea. So going back to Sunny's question, how do you determine how much of each book to order? So which and how how many of each one? Some of it's kind of no brainer, you know. I mean, if it's like uh, uh, Brandon Sanderson, yeah, right. We're we're going heavy on that, you know. Or like Colleen Hoover's got something out, great. Twelve, fifteen copies, and our like for us for our store at least, yeah. Um, if we order more than like 24 copies, I mean, 24 copies is a, is a it's, big it's initial a lot. order for yeah. us. Um, we oh, kind of really? try to think in terms of like, okay, what are we going to sell? How many copies, when I think of how many copies will I sell in the first like two weeks of having this? You know, like, can I conceive uh-huh. of six people coming mm-hmm. in and wanting this? You know, like, okay, yes, six people. What about eight people? What about 12 people? Like how many people are going to wander in and go, hey, this book, I'll take it, you know? And we do have like historical sales data. Like we, our system Mm -hmm. goes back 15 years. Yeah. 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 I mean, and so we. Historical sales data for your store? For our store. Okay. So we can see every order we've made, every sale we've made Mm -hmm. and what day that happened. Yeah. Um, If it was tied to a particular, a, particular customer Mm -hmm. if they have an account with us we can see that which is also helpful like if we sell one book and it was something that somebody had to special order i'm thinking maybe but yeah yeah. but i feel like they're the sort of no-brainer ones we've got a few authors that are like just this guy's jess walter who lives in town (laughs) jess walter has a book coming out we're ordering 600 600 copies copies, probably which is insane for us it's totally wild but totally the outlier (laughs) um Jess Walter, Katie Robert, too, another local um, romance author whose whose books have just gone off yeah, the charts over was, the last. She few was years. self-published for a long time. Yeah, um, um, so that's fun. But so that those are the like sort of if it's a Stephen King, if it's a you know like like somebody mm-hmm. that we know, we'll probably do twenty four, maybe maybe like thirty six if it's Christmas. That that makes a huge difference too if it's fourth quarter and we're like okay we might have one shot at ordering this, yeah. you know, like how many are we going to sell through the holidays? And um, I'm, I mean, and I like, and on the other side of that, I'm not, I'm not going to go very heavy mm-hmm. if something's coming out in January. Right. You know, yeah. um, honestly, a lot of it is just kind of knowing what works at our store, you know, like knowing what people come in and ask for. Um, which I feel like you have a good handle on just from being on the floor yep. and like even just shelving, mm-hmm. like even just sort of the day-to-day task of like seeing what comes in, in the big boxes and then what like we have to then put on a shelf and like, you know, put on a cart yeah. and put on the shelf. Yeah. Yep. Um, absolutely. And yeah. And a lot of it is, it is like 
Is it, I mean, it, it sucks to say it, but sometimes, I mean, like cover matters, you know, I, like. I feel that, like it really matters. A kick-ass yeah. cover, someone's going to like, that is what makes people pick the book up in the first place. Yeah. Looking for what, what angle do people take on this? Is this something that I haven't seen recently? Um, is this something that I've randomly heard people asking about, you know, like. Or like, is this hot mm-hmm. right now? Like I think about Circe, like mm-hmm. there are a yeah. million, Circe by Madeline Miller, which is a retelling of the Greek myth. Yeah, I, like we've there are like three or four. Three or Sorry, four. I can't help the grimace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a joke yeah. in our writer discord. The the retellings trend. My friend Jai and I have just been screaming at each other. No more fairy tales. No. Yeah. no. Well, that's the thing yeah. too. I think the buyer is like like the yeah. first one comes out and you're like, oh great, there's a market for this, yeah. and then a couple more come out and you're like, that's kind of interesting, and then all of a sudden. Yeah. There are like 15 different titles and you're just like, okay, you know, yeah. like that's when it comes down to like, all right, now I got to like yeah. scrutinize each one of these retellings to decide which yeah. one maybe is, is, is interesting and, and fresh and which ones are just like, Hey, have you heard of Cersei? There's a certain point where we're just like, okay. <laughs> so I have kind of a hypothetical for you, Carrie and, and Claire, um, that I've wondered about in the past, but let's say you have you're looking at at the catalog and there are three books out from the same imprint that are all vaguely similar. They're all chasing a trend, right? How do you make that decision between the three Greek myth retellings or whatever? If you're, if you're looking at three things that are like on paper, very similar, how do you decide? Is the author a known quantity? Mm -hmm. Is the cover good? Uh Sometimes I, I will have days where I'm good about trust my gut, which I totally believe as a buyer, you just kind of, sometimes you just have to like, go with the gut thing. And a lot of it is, okay, if I, if I had to read one of these right now, which yeah. one seems the most interesting yeah. to me, which one, if someone was like, my grandma just read Cersei and she loved it. Do you have anything else? Like, which one, which one would I read? Which one would I feel most comfortable being like, Hey, no, if you're looking for something like this, this one seems the most interesting yeah. to me. And sometimes I'll get real weird. Sometimes I go like, I read through everything and then I look up who the author is and I try to figure out like, I don't know. Like, does this this author sound? Yeah, I mean, you you want to done anything? You want to bring the highest quality thing yeah. into the store? I mean, and we do have the luxury of like we have time. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. my, I got I don't know. I got my Spring Week Mill in order. Like my catalog a month ago. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have to do anything about it for a month. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. so, but but again, like unless you're going to read every single book in the catalog Mm -hmm. and maybe you will read all three vaguely similar books. Like that's not outside of the realm of possibility for me, but like, I don't know. I mean, again, it is like, it does feel like a vibes thing. And I do think that trusting yourself, because like ultimately I'm a lot like a lot of our customers probably. Right. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, like if I can find something, if I can find some little nugget of interest in this thing that's been done to death, that's the one I'm going to yeah. go with. Something yeah. has a really bitching cover. You're just like... People are... I mean, and you yeah. see it. You see people. You're standing at the register. You see people browsing. You see mm-hmm. what they pick up and turn over and look yeah. at and read mm-hmm. a few pages of. Yeah. We're magpies. We like pretty things. <laughs> do you read reviews on like NatGalley? Do you follow... Yes. Uh, yeah. Sometimes books go through you know, Twitter drama and stuff like that. I don't know if that yeah. impacts decisions or not for booksellers. I'm not, I'm not very online. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But yeah, I look at, I look at bookseller reviews. Yeah. Like, those are the ones I look those to. Those are the ones I look at too. You know, blurbs, blurbs from other writers, mm-hmm. you know, they are what they are. Like, 
Yeah. Often I look at blurbs to sort of see what kind of book it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah vibe. It's like a vibe check. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, you know, Elif Batuman. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like I know what kind of book this is. What did she say about it? Like, I don't know. I didn't necessarily read it, but the bookseller it was a, reviews it was a are triumph and a tour a de triumph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but definitely on Edelweiss, you can read like other booksellers' reviews of things. And yeah. to me, I mean, of course, there's politics in that too, because you have your rep saying, hey, please read this and review it. You know, if I send you this, will you review yeah. it? Will you nominate it for any next? Like there's pressures to like read a book and like the book and then glow about it in your yeah. review. I mean, you're only reviewing things that you liked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, generally yeah. speaking. And sometimes I think, I mean, there's pressure, even if you think it's not that great to go on there and be like, oh, this author's at the top of their game, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But by and large, I do trust that like, if, the, if a bookseller goes on and writes a really thoughtful review about why this book is worth reading, I, yeah. I trust that more than like, I don't know, random Goodreads. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I do think that just like nobody sits down for 400 words during the course of a busy workday where they're just like not making that much money mm-hmm. for something they yeah. don't care about a little right. bit, well, you know? I don't. Like if I, no. if okay. I don't finish something, I'm not going to go on Edelweiss and be like, I didn't finish this. I know. I'd rather you like know, shoot like, rubber bands at you and Jack, right. you know? <laughs> That's like, what we're going to do and so uh, we, we've talked about a, a lot of different things that, you know, might catch your eye or might factor in if you happen to see them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I have to imagine that being sent a physical arc or a physical something factors pretty heavily, right? And, and that has a pretty high conversion rate on the bookstore side. But what what does that look like from your perspective? How many titles get physical arcs or galleys or whatever you want to call them what matters when that happens and are there any other factors that are like this really works on us right like this will get me to to at least give it a shot more times than not yeah the the arc thing is hard to gauge we get we get a lot lot of arcs and it's it's wild to hear you say that they and i know i know this is true yeah that they don't do arcs for a lot of books but when we're getting five copies of the same Pam Jenoff book, you know, like, it's like, why, why are you sending the same store five copies of this? You know, and especially with, like, with, um, like, I think people are active enough on Edelweiss, like, they know what we read. Like, I got the same Churchill biography, like, three (laughs) times. I have never read a World War II book that I reviewed on Edelweiss. Like, it, yeah. yeah. You sort of create a, a relationship with a rep and sometimes say specifically, do you have an arc of this? If you don't have an arc, can you send me a finished copy? You know, like, I really want to read it. I'm really interested. I think it's going to be something that we can sell. And oftentimes they will do it. But the things that the publishers just send out, it feels random. And, yeah. and sometimes though it feels really pointed. I mean, again, it feels yeah. like you're really pushing this women walking away oh, World yeah. War II in yeah. France book, you know, that like, again, I don't need, I don't need six, six arcs of this, yeah. you know, like, could you maybe send me one arc and then maybe put some energy into like printing arcs for other titles that aren't, you know, yeah, saying Pam Jen off just because that's what well, no, but, no, and it, the, well, they did. They sent us four of them. Yeah, yeah it's like too it many. Reasonable. We yeah. don't need those. Um, no, and the yeah. other, I mean, and the other part of it is, I think, is making sure that things get in the right hands. Yeah. Like we, we, I mean, we at Antis, it probably doesn't matter that much because you know Carrie will get a big box of arcs mm-hmm. and you know she's like puts it on the by yeah. the microwave and we all kind of pick through it but mm-hmm. like during the pandemic especially like 
things were getting sent to people's homes sometimes. And it was just like, oh, I sent an arc to this person. And I'm like, well, I mean, that person doesn't like that kind of thing. And that is fun. I mean, I think we know each other well enough at the store to be like, this sounds like a Claire book, you know, like this sounds like a Jai book. This sounds like something Jeremy would like, you know, like we have a working knowledge of our own staff enough that we can do that. This is a wasted opportunity. I mean, it seems like getting like smaller quantities of more titles out into the hands of of booksellers seems like a better thing than just like, oh, here's another one of this. Yeah. And I think we could, I mean, we all, we all read a lot. Like we, we could absorb it, Yeah, you know? Yeah. It is nice that the Edelweiss thing has opened that up a lot. I think. With the, yeah, there are way more digital review yeah. copies than there yeah. used to be. And um, that's awesome. So you yeah. do have access to things that maybe they aren't throwing like so much money and effort behind. Like you don't get the physical copy, but you know what? I'll read it on my phone while I'm making spaghetti. You know, like I do that all the time. I'm, I'm yeah. learning the the I'm learning to love digital download stuff because I just get more access to a wider variety yeah. of things um, yeah. than they're going to print for us. Well, I think we both pretty much now we have a physical book that's going and mm-hmm. a and a phone book, which for me is usually an advanced reader copy. Yep. Yeah, yep. Um, but yeah, it's weird. And then sometimes, yeah, every once in a while, you get the cake pop phenomenon. Like every once in a while, you get <laughs> a big box that's like glossy and printed full color. It's like got all these graphics yeah. on the outside, and you open it, and it's like. Here's a pound of coffee. Here's a candle. Here's some nail polish. Here's a copy of the book. It's all branded toward, and you're just like, whoa, like, yeah. why this one? Like, oh, I, I know, and it also like, yeah. I don't know how you feel about this, but I give two shits. Well, yeah, you know, it's I don't, like, like, I don't well, want or nail I'm just polish. like, oh, you I think wanted... you can bribe me yeah. with nail polish? <laughs> yeah. You know, I have no idea. It's a mystery to me. Yeah, except for. But I can think of, of, of like, if there was like some sort of bidding war and like you've put a lot of money into it. So you need to like hustle to, to earn it back out. But I mean, you know, like I think some of those are that, but it's a mystery to me. Like yeah. the things, the things that sort of fly under the radar and you find later and you're like, this is an amazing book. Why didn't I know about this sooner? And the things that you're just like, okay, like stop beating me over the head with this. I get it. This book is coming out. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the calculations are, but yeah, it's it's bizarre sometimes. For debuts, I will say that my experience has been it's often very based on the editor. So if your editor is massively supportive of certain titles in their list, they they work very hard to push that and that enthusiasm feeds out to the sales teams and the sales reps and then hopefully the booksellers. Um, but it probably depends on each publisher, I'm guessing. I know that Harper, Voyager UK on this side, they kind of they have less titles and they try to give them all special things. So like wayward hit shops over here recently, and they were giving away like themed t-shirts and stuff to booksellers and all kinds of stuff like that. So it can get, yeah, I think they're they're always trying to capture in this country, the the Instagram market and the book crate market, which are huge here, but not so much over there. Hmm. And things that look good in photos are a big part of that. They're hoping for these influencer booksellers who will put it online. Yeah. I will say too, like sometimes you're saying like an editor being particularly passionate mm-hmm. about something or a rep, like we do get those moments where you can tell, okay, this isn't some flashy PR thing that's happening, yeah. it, but it is like, like sometimes you get handwritten notes from editors or something. And they're like, I just wanted to make sure that I just wanted you to actually look at this because I really believe in it. And I think it's something that's mm-hmm. worth looking at. Yeah. Um, and those I feel like if anything, that's what kind of gets yeah. me when it's like, 
I've seen your other Edelweiss reviews. I really believe in this title. Yeah. And I hope that you specifically, Carrie, read this book. You know, like, and I'm sure they're doing that with a ton of people. I know it's not just like, oh my gosh, they value my opinion so much. <laughs> but it does, it does kind of feel like, okay, this was more intentional than just like, hey, you work at a bookstore. Yeah. Want a scented candle? Like, no. <laughs> Did I hear right that you're getting personalized notes from editors at imprints? Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Is it editors? I mean, I feel like I, feel I get like, it a lot from. I feel like it's the it, it's the smaller. I mean, it's it's like Gray Wolf, you yeah, know, or like um, yeah. it's small yeah. press. <clears throat> but every once in a while, you do like every once in yeah. a while, somebody is sending out like blasts where it's like, hey this is a book that I think is really good. And the reps will do it too. Like yeah. Reps, you know. No, and I really, I like, I, I trust my reps to like sort of know, because yeah. we, like, my reps know my personal taste. Yeah. And they know, like, and I have explained to them what works in our store. Like, mm -hmm. they don't work there. They can't know. But they, yeah. like, I mean, they'll say for your store, like, yeah. and I also really loved this. Yeah. And it seems right up your alley. Yeah. And they, they know us and I trust them. And the yeah. reps, I mean, it's... They're really, really great reps, and they're really oh my god, not so great reps. <laughs> not to name any not names, name any names at all. But <laughs> some of them really do pay attention to what you like yeah. and what you say works at the store, and others are just like, oh, "Here, this is this is our lead read. You yeah. should get fifteen of them." And yeah. you're like, "Okay, thanks." Uh, authors, you know, sometimes they will approach us, like authors mm -hmm. themselves. And being nice and like understanding that your booksellers are busy and just like being a good human. Yeah. It's like, like I like there was this one guy who wrote, a, his name is John Searles. He's a very nice man. He's very nice. Yeah. He would just, great. his husband was in town with like a touring production of like the Christmas Carol or something. And his husband came in and he was like, whose email can I get? You know, my husband's book is coming out. And they were just like so gracious and lovely. And like, we, we did a lot more work for John Searles than... Then, yeah. yeah, so I do. I mean, I would just encourage debut authors to just meet their booksellers. Like, yeah. just go in and introduce yourself and say, hi, this is my deal. Yeah. Yeah. I was too shy to do that. And then a yeah. couple of times when I was in town with my partner and he was just got up to booksellers. He's like, look, this is my girlfriend. She's got a book coming out. Can I tell you about it? And I was just like dying in a corner. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, had that happen. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. no, I mean, and I, if I'm at the register, I'm like, okay, great. Three on order. She's local. Yeah. 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 But it's, and yeah. it is hard. I mean, I, I imagine it would be, I mean, anytime you're trying to like Schmooze. sell yourself yeah. and then mm, I mean, like exactly. writing is such a like, I mean, like it's this thing that you've tended to for so long. And then all of a sudden you're having to like go out and be like, Hey, I'm a salesperson now. Yeah. Here's my book. You know, yeah, like here's, that here's my sucks, baby. Here's but my yeah, partner. right. Like here's my baby. Please judge here's it. Something you know? that was really, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And like, again, and it's a, it's a question of like, do you have access to galleys and arcs that you can give to people? Like, mm. which sucks if you don't. I mean, like that yeah. really kind of takes the wind out of your sails a little bit if you can't walk into a store and say, hey, I just wanted to drop this off for one of your buyers to look at or whatever. But exactly. people, like, we get, I'll get like postcards or letters or whatever yeah. addressed to me sometimes. And it won't have the actual copy of a book in it, but it's like, it's just a thing that they've like, hey, I just, I wrote yeah. this book. It's available on Ingram. This is a little bit what it's about. This is a little bit of my deal. I'd really appreciate it if you just looked at it. And I, I always look at them. Like, I don't always buy them. They're not always right for the store. People self-publish a lot of things that are on, <laughs> on wildly opposite ends of the spectrum. But I always look. Like, if someone takes the time to write out a thing or make a little flyer and send it to me, I always check it out because 
I mean, yeah, like mm. writing a book That's is a huge enough. thing. Like I appreciate the time it takes to just make that happen. You know, the time and the energy and the the tears, <laughs> you know, the, the yeah. of that process. And I'm always down to like, try to look at the, the fruits of somebody's labor in that way. Like, I mean, and especially if they're in our region or community, yeah. because we are, I mean, like we are a community bookstore. Mm-hmm. Like we, yeah. that's something that I think we take, we take seriously is mm-hmm. like wanting to serve people yeah. in that way. One thing to yeah. not do though. And this is something there was, there was one guy in particular when I was the consignment manager who drove me insane with this don't go to the store and tell them to put your book on display the displays are are not for you as a local author to put your book on they're for the store to highlight specific things that they want to highlight for whatever reason there was this one dude who would come in like once or twice a month and just tell me like you should put it on put my book on the table it's really good if people knew about it they would buy it and I'd like looked at his book. I wasn't interested in it and I, I wasn't going to read it. He was talking to one, the wrong person to try to convince of this. And two, he kept doing it, which just made it more frustrating every time I saw this guy. Letting the bookstore know that your book exists, great. Being nice to them, kind of building a relationship is a great idea. Harassing them because you think that they're try- they're not selling your book well enough is going to have the opposite effect. It's going to make them think you're yeah. a dumbass. Yeah, yeah, do you remember that guy who asked like three different people on staff to read it? And mm-hmm. so like one person was like nice enough to give him really honest feedback. Yeah. And then I remember he came up to me and was like, oh, I don't think that that guy was the right audience. Will you read yeah, it? And he guy, just- That guy was wrong. That guy was- <laughs> You know. Yeah. He was, he was ungodly. He was like, yeah, he would come in and just like drop off more books without telling us. Yeah, just he would like, just yeah. throw them put them on the shelf or he would like come in and like because it's it's alphabetized by author's last name yeah. there's not that's just the organizational style that we have adopted that and it makes sense and he would come in and like take his book move other books and like misshelve it up high at like eye level and it was just like oh my god man you are doing everything you can to make all of the books of sellers here like hate your guts like how you think that's going to pan out for you, you know, like that's not, don't do that stuff. Don't do that stuff. I, I'm in quite a few Facebook groups for writers online and I, people do give each other that advice. And I think that's maybe part of where it comes from. You'll say people telling each other, you know, go and be persistent, keep doing, keep asking, put your books on shelves. And there's a gamut of bad advice online. And that's some of it. And I, I wonder if some of that comes from that, yeah. that culture in, in no, writing groups. Like I sympathize with people, really. Absolutely. And most people, I mean, mm. and vastly people are just like kind and polite and lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. But man, sometimes you just get some people who are so disconnected from reality. Yeah. 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 Like, well, that my makes book sense. And you're like, okay, well, have you like, do you, have you talked to anyone about it? Have you tried to like set up, do you have a, yeah. an Instagram? Do you, and they're like, well, no, that's not my job. And it's like, well, it, it kind of is this part of day it, you know, like age. unfortunately. Yeah. Especially yeah. Selling small, their, yeah. If you're selling, yeah, selling their book, isn't necessarily your job. Your job is to make money for the bookstore. Right. Yeah. There's like a give and take, like we do what we can, but like there are ways for people to get their stuff out there, you know, like it, it yeah. can't just be, all right. I, I printed it and I threw it on a shelf. Done. You know, like that's. Yeah. That's I mean, and maybe that used to work, but not. I know, not now. Not now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I have to say, this has been extremely interesting for me, even a year later, right? Like, Agreed. It, it, it's almost exactly a year, actually, since my debut published. 
But I mean, especially before I had gone through some of it and learned any of this, I, I wouldn't have known, you know, like I, I did not have a clue what I could be doing. And the answer is probably still not much, but you know, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't have a clue what I could be doing that would be on the good side of that line versus the bad, right? Like there, there's a lot of, uh, I would, I would guess especially in the world of people who choose to spend thousands of hours writing books instead of, you know, like talking to people, there's a lot of hesitation when it comes to being that person, right. Yeah. Who's, who's in people's yeah. face about their own work in particular. Uh, okay. We, we've covered pretty well. I think, you know, some of the, some of the different aspects, some of the different things that mm. can affect whether something's ordered in the first place. But say you've ordered a book, you know, maybe you took a chance on a debut or maybe it's even a, a pretty well known name that you're used to ordering. What does the performance have to look like in terms of sales and velocity of sales for any given title for you to reorder? And at what point do you send a book back to the publisher and what does that look like? So we, generally speaking, if and we have a, a bigger store than some. Um, but if a book sells every six months, we get it back in. Because um, it takes a while for people to find books. You know, again, there are a lot of them on the shelves. You can't put every single title that you have on a table. We just don't have space for that. So, um, yeah, if it, if it sells every six months, we've got our point of sale system is great. We create a report every day that looks at the books that we sold the previous day. We go through everything that we sold the previous day and decide like on a one by one basis, like, do we want this back in? Do we need to delist it now? Um, do we want to order more? Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Is it, is it, did some, did TikTok pick it up and now all of a sudden we're selling insane amounts of it? Like, was it on Good Morning America? And now everyone just is clamoring for this book that came out. And that's weird. Like that, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. Hey, book. we finally got the title. I know. <laughs> we got the, not the boy, the mole, the fox, and his hole, which is what we always joke about, which is terrible. Um, it's really hard not to say after that. But yeah, that book had been out for like a year and a half, mm -hmm. two years or whatever. And then all of a sudden, Christmas time, one year, it was a couple of years ago, it was like on Good Morning America or something. And we have consistently sold like, what, 10 to 25 copies of that book ever, every month ever since that happened, which is insane. Yeah. I mean, me. it's probably something we sell the most of yeah. in the store. So, uh, so yeah, so we kind of go through every day, look at this report, what sold yesterday. And as you're looking at that, you can kind of see like, okay, this sold yesterday and it didn't sell before that since, you know, I, I don't know early 2021. Great. We're not, we're probably not going to get that back in. Um, or you look and it's like, yeah, like we sold it yesterday, but then we sold it the day before that. And then we sold it two days ago and you're like, okay, instead of getting one copy in, we're going to do three copies or four copies or again, like however much we think, you know, like how many of these am I going to sell before I can get more in, you know, like that kind of calculation. Um, because the goal is to have it continually in right. stock. Yeah. It's something we want. Yeah. If it's, something, if it's something that's selling really steadily, like it's it's just sort of death to be like, oh man, people are looking for this book, but we have to wait three days for it to get back in, you know, because people yep. 
people say it. They just say it right out loud. All right, well, I guess I'll just order it from Amazon then. And then they just, like, walk out the door and you're like, shit. Yep. <laughs> okay. Even yep. I mean, and I think this is true of a lot of independent bookstores. We can get things really quickly. Like, yeah. In, like, in, in two days, a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But... I don't know. People like to yeah. punish us for that. Yeah. <laughs> People like to punish us. Well, no, my favorite thing is when they're like just saying it like they're doing you a favor. Oh, no, no, it's okay. You don't have to order it. I can. Oh, I'll just get it on Amazon. <laughs> like, okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> so what is, the middle of, what is the middle of the road look like, right? Like what did that book have to do to stay on your shelves for a year and a half? And at what point are you actually shipping stuff back to the distributor or whoever you ordered from? Yeah, versus so letting it just sell out and not order more. Yeah, if it's if it if we if we look at and we also will do sort of poll reports where we kind of create a report and say, okay, tell me everything in the biography section that hasn't sold at all in twelve eight, months, yeah, yeah or, or eight, eight months, months yeah. is what I like, especially stuff that gets really crowded, like biography. Yeah, many biographies come out, many like many current affairs books come out that are no longer relevant. So that might be like a shorter time frame for the report for sending things back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you do a whole lot of the return time. Oh, yeah. The store. Which like, is some things it's like, when I first got there, I remember looking and like we hadn't sold a copy of like Breakfast at Tiffany's in nine months. Right. But I'm not, I'm not going to pull that. Like right. that's, that's something we probably need to have. That's something that somebody is going to look mm-hmm. for. Yeah, yeah. But like the random celebrity memoir, if it hasn't sold <laughs> in eight months. Yeah. I'm like, it's done with it. Yeah. Like, (laughs) fuck it. It's going in the box. I'm sending it back to Penguin. And we, and we get full credit Mm -hmm. at most of the big, Mm -hmm. the big guys. guys, And we can send them back. If it is still in print, we can send it back. So we have a, so we have a lot of flexibility and that also like enables us to take chances in our front list buying. Yeah. And it is kind of nice to, for for me at least to kind of be on both ends of that. So Mm -hmm. if I'm doing polls for return, I can, I can say, oh, I like know that somebody went heavy on the ordering side and here I am sending six back or here I am yeah. only sending one back because the paperback's coming out, you know, yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Um, that's another thing we were talking about. Every time there's been an embarrassing amount of some book going back to the publisher, it's because I didn't think it was going to work and my rep talked me into, instead of getting two copies, maybe you should get 12 because it's a really big deal and da, da, da. And then, okay, fine, I, I don't get two, I get 12. And how many do we sell? Two. And we send 10 back. And it's just like, damn it. You know, like, because we know, like, we know what sells in the store better than, you know, the sales rep who is doing the best they can, but they have pressures from above. And they're also wrangling, like, how many different bookstores in the region? Like, they don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. It's an eye-opening experience. Once we started really doing polls regularly. Yeah. It was like, oh, wow. Like, that's such a huge part of being an informed buyer is, like, knowing what goes back, you know, like what's been sitting on the shelf and yeah. taking up space. Cause it is, I mean, it does feel, and I feel like I feel this on like kind of, like kind of an emotional level sometimes. Yeah. Like I'll be doing polls for a return and I'll like be like, Oh, but I like yeah. this. I oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, and then I'll usually keep it in work cause I right. can hand sell it or whatever, right. but it is. But then like when you're buying, you, you see that, like you, you feel that and you're mm-hmm. like, this is what if like, this is the book that somebody's going to love and it's going to, yeah. we bury it. We, we buy one copy and it's, you yeah. know, like, I know. yeah, it, and it languishes, but it's a hard, yeah. That's yeah. a thing. Like one copy is just like, oh yeah, no one's going to see this, you know, yeah. like, yeah, but I can't get 
six copies of everything and throw it on a table. You know, like it's hard to make those decisions. Um, but yeah, but the return thing is really nice. It's it's unique to the book selling world yeah. too. Like, and mm-hmm. I think it's how we've managed how bookstores have managed to stay healthy businesses mm-hmm. because yeah. it does. Like, it enables us to take chances, mm-hmm. and it also enables us to like have enough stock that people are yeah. <laughs> interested yeah. in coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so am I so am I hearing right that there's not necessarily like a set time frame? It sounds like bios yeah. make it makes sense. Biographies make sense to have maybe a shorter time frame, but other than that, there's not like a set time frame. A book that you take a chance on has like a year or six months or whatever to make it. Yeah. It's think- kinda well, if you sold half of them, maybe we'll stick it out and see what, what happens. It is. Really, the the general rule of thumb we go by is six months. Something has to sell one copy every six months. And then we kind of reconsider. Um, and if it's something that no one has any kind of emotional attachment to, it probably goes back. Again, if it's that thing where you're like, oh, but I really like this. Then you're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to make this work then. Yeah. You know, like I want to have this in the story. I believe in this book. I'm going to write a shelf talker. I'm going to put it on right. a table. It's sort of our hack. Like I remember we didn't have any of the culture books in stock and I was really mad about that. So I wrote a shelf talker for player of games and we got five more in and now it sells regularly. Yeah. So like, you know, it's, if, if there's a book that we want to keep and we want to sell, we can generally make it happen. Yeah. People for some reason think we know what we're talking about when it comes to (laughs) the general rule for me, someone is like, Hey, I really want to get this book in. It's been delisted, like we used to carry it, it didn't sell, but I really like this book. And I think we Some should have it. Some staff. Yeah, yeah. Like, like one of our employees. It's like, great, order a few copies, but like write a shelf talker. Like if, if we're going to get this back in, like make it happen. You know, like you, if you believe in this book, throw your weight behind it a little bit. And every time someone has done that, it worked. I think the Power Booksellers is pretty good. I mean, at least in, in our own little store, like... We sold some weird titles just because someone loved it, you know? Yeah, we've even, I mean, I think about that Ketchup Factory book. Yeah. Like, that is, that's a self-published book that mm-hmm. we took on consignment. Mm-hmm. We put have it on one of our, like, semi-permanent displays. And, I mean, we're probably doing four or five a month, which is really good. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's the power of, like, if you, if you have a book and you can get it into the hands of a bookseller, you can get a bookseller to like it, you know, like... At least that's like, that's one store that's going to be like on board to, to help people find it for you, you know? And part of the, I mean, honestly, part of the problem is just, there's so many for us to see, you know, that it does sometimes take somebody being like, Hey, look at this one though. Like this one, this one is the one you want to read next. And it's like, okay, maybe like, let's try it. And it works. It totally works. Given that you guys are so important to the the whole publishing ecosystem, and I really do think that booksellers are like the great foundation of of our industry, what do you wish publishers understood about the bookselling experience? We want more arcs. I don't want six copies of Babel. I want one copy of everything. And again, I think it's a symptom of these behemoth catalogs, you know, that like where they can't pay close attention to every single thing, you know, when there were multiple smaller publishing houses and like, I mean, that's what I appreciate about things like, you know, I don't know, like soft skull or, or verso, or, you know, some of these, these gray wolf who their catalogs are much smaller, but they will email you and say like, here are the eight books that are coming out, you know, this quarter, like, Here's a, a write about like a thoughtful write up, up about all of them. Here's my personal email address if you want to see anything. Like, I mean, that's 
I don't know. I don't know how publishers could go back from that. I mean, they're they they don't want to. Clearly, they, they're too big too. Like they I, just they I, literally I, couldn't do it. It's yeah, logistically too much. That's a gripe that I don't know what the answer to. Yeah. One thing that I wish they were better at was was cover art. There are so many books that come out that have cover like um, I'm thinking of the Gene Wolfe re-releases from Tor. The covers of those are awful, and it's really hard to hand sell them because you show them to people and they and you're like, you know, this is you know, I'm trying to sell Fifth Head of Cerberus or whatever, and I'm explaining it's like one of the most interesting science fiction things I've ever read. But they're looking at this cover that's like a chain link fence, and they're like, what are you talking about? This looks awful, <laughs> right? I think that publishers don't really understand the degree to which that is the thing that gets people to stop and look at a book and pick it up and and start thinking about whether they want to buy it. And when all the books on the shelf look the same, it it doesn't help anyone, right? Yeah. The the other thing I would say is I I want more trade paperback originals. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yep. few people are going to spend thirty dollars yeah. on a hardcover yeah. book, and yeah. we and we have a really good track record with. Things that initially come out in paperback, somebody like somebody will spend ten fewer dollars on mm-hmm. that, and yeah. then you'll sell six more. You know. Well, and I, I mean, this last the the latest round of front list that I'm working yep. on, hardcovers are now solidly thirty dollars. You yep. know, it's not twenty six anymore. It's not twenty seven. It's like thirty to thirty five bucks for just well, like new <laughs> authors, people who people are taking a chance on. Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't understand why they're just clinging to the hardcover format yeah. as much as they are. Yeah. I mean, and it makes sense for your Diana Gabaldon. Sure. Or your yeah. Prince you know. Harry or, you know, oh my God. or your Obama, the yeah. nerve of that man to charge $45 for his biography. <laughs> yep. But there yeah. to be like, here's this new author. I haven't heard of them. Oh, you don't want to spend $35 on this book. Oh, well then there, then I guess this author doesn't work. It's like, yeah. well, no, their that's- career's over. <laughs> Yeah, this is a sore point for Scott. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of bullshit. It's just like setting people up. Yeah, I mean, if it's, I, it's like an uphill climb yeah. for sure. I mean, if I have to spend seven dollars anyway. on a loaf of bread, like. <laughs> you know, right? Like, yep. come on. yeah, paperback originals. I want more. I want way originals. more paperback yeah. originals. Yeah. I love a paperback original. Something comes out if, if honestly, in some ways, that's a that's like a signal to me that it's a book that I'm gonna like. Yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't come out in hardcover first, it's a paperback original. I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a little bit weirder, a little bit more literary, a little bit more experimental, like whatever. There's some angle to this that's gonna speak to me a little bit more. I don't know. It's to me, it, it's that's like, interesting. That's really interesting. And my guess there, I uh, this is not an authoritative answer, but. My guess is margins, right? I would guess that oh, the sure. margins for publishers are a lot better on hardcovers because they're they're probably not spending that much more on uh, you know, some extra thick cardstock. That actually yeah, yeah. I would just assume hardbacks were way more expensive than this. So yeah. No, yeah. no, yeah. I think they make more money on them, but it's like they make yeah. more yeah. money. Yeah. And I'm, we get I, better royalties. Yeah. So, but, so yeah, this I, is a rumor and I I'm I'm fully willing to be a rumor monger, but I've actually <laughs> heard and I want to know if you you all have heard of this, but I've heard that some publishers will actually take unsold hardcovers, tear them apart, debind them or whatever you, you call it, and turn it into a, a trade paperback for the next, you know, round. Huh. Oh, hmm. I haven't heard that. I wonder if that's that seems. Yeah, like I haven't heard that either. Just I like couldn't the- believe it, but it was it was an industry insider who told me this. Huh. Interesting. Um, yeah, and, and I I still don't believe it, but. Yeah. 
That's weird. Well, I'm going to start yeah. looking for damaged damage copies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How would they even do that? Oh. Like physically, that doesn't make sense to me, but yeah. I don't, I don't see how that would be any less of a process. Yeah. And either. also like shelf, shelf wear and tear is yeah. not nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would guess it's it's probably not on return books. I would guess it's oh, the yeah. stock yeah. that sat in their warehouse or whatever with the publisher, if that if that even happens. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, reminders. I think it all feeds into a bigger divide where it becomes this thing of like, well, people don't tend to spend for hardcovers, so we're going to only have a few of our titles who are hardcovers, and we want people to buy them. So then all the money goes into oh, those few books yeah. every season. Um, and on the UK side, the hardcover thing is a huge. It's tied up with prestige. It's tied up with kind of hmm. literary respect, I guess. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I mean, I do think there's sometimes even just like it's like, well, this is a paperback release, though. You know, it's like this mm-hmm. sort of tone of hmm. I don't know amongst the even the reps a little bit, but it's like I don't know. I'm all for it. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's like a smaller press or it's just something kind of weird, which you know I'm all about weird stuff, but. um Sometimes you can tell it's like, it feels like, oh, they don't believe that this is going to be a thing, you know, like, it's like, yeah, Yeah, I mean, and that, like, that makes sense to me. Like, if we think about, like, what, well, uh, more just the, like, taking chances thing, like, I mean, it, it is, like, you know, Diana Gabaldon is going to sell X many, but, you know, like, a debut author Mm -hmm. writing you know, something like that's not historical fiction. Right. Well, like, well, yeah. that one's company. Yeah. That yeah. novel came out. That was a paperback original. Ashley, Ashley Hudson. Hudson. Yeah. It's great. It's a yeah. great, and it was great, but it's weird. It's like, it's got kind of a weird premise. Like you could see, but I feel like that was perfect because someone's not going to take a chance on kind of a weird uh, woman wins yeah. lottery and proceeds to recreate the three's company universe universe on a secluded mountain like that's a weird premise for a book and i'm not necessarily going to spend 32 dollars to take a chance on it yeah. but i will spend 16 dollars to take a chance on it i mean and, you know? do you, yeah. and do you think that we i think we as a store i mean if we had ordered you know three or four of those on hardcover mm-hmm. i think we as a store made a lot more money on it in paperback than we could have mm-hmm. if it was a hardcover yeah because we've sold way more yeah that's, and then on, to, on yeah. top of that we both read it oh, like, ahead of time. Yeah. And I was like, this yeah. is going directly on my staff favorites. And so, you know, like it's just right there for people to see, but yeah, but I feel like, yeah. I feel like that happens a lot on our end. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I will go heavy on something cause it's cheaper and I think we can move it more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, I mean, this is a, a selfish question because my paperback just came out last month, but does this apply to, you know, a paperback that comes out after a hardcover as well, especially in the case uh, where maybe the hardcover launch didn't go great, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, do you uh, do you pay attention to formats in that case or is it mostly yes. when it's a trade paperback release from the get-go? No, I have there have definitely been books where I've I've been like shit, I don't think I can sell this as a hardcover. But a year from now, when it comes up in catalogs as paperback, I'm going to get them to put on the new release paperback table, you know, because it's like, again, $30 versus $16 is a huge jump, you know, and like, and yeah, and typically if I see that I sold, you know, three copies of this book in hardcover, I'm like, okay, it'll go like, maybe I'll do four or five in the paperback for an initial order when it first releases. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you can very safely be like, 
we sold X amount in hardcover. I'm going to double that for yeah. my initial run of paperback. But like, then, but then also, you know, kind of the other thing that yeah. Gary was saying, like, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about this, but I do believe it will go yeah. in paperback. Well, because yeah. I mean, when you think about people who buy hardcovers, I feel like it's like really diehard hard fans of people, people with a lot of throwaway income, you know, like people, and then people who are just like so wrapped up in, like, oh, everyone's reading this and I have to read it too, yeah. you know, like. Or like people who don't really know how to browse in a bookstore, too, yeah. I think. Or people, yeah. maybe people who only buy three books a year, yeah. you know, yeah. so it's like, I'm only yeah. buying three, three, four books a year, I can afford to mm. spend 35 bucks on them versus, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm eating books every day, like, I can't, I can't drop $100 on three books, you know, like. Yeah, like, I never used to buy hardbacks until I worked at the store and I could get them at, you know, half price, basically. I used to be, you know, I would wait for things in paperback. And so I I totally think that publishers shoot themselves in the foot with a lot of releases. Mm -hmm. Um, I think authors like having their book come out in hardback because, as Cindy was saying, it feels like, oh, I I got a hardback. I'm, I'm important. But it can be a bad thing. It can definitely make it harder to move copies because people don't know who you are. They don't want to spend that much money on something they don't know about. Well, that's interesting. Maybe I should start paying more attention to my paperback. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, um, I mean, I, I'm just about out of questions. You have given us so much good information that I really don't think is common knowledge. Maybe I'm just dumb. Uh, well, dumber than <laughs> no. average, but... Uh, but I've Man. got one more for JT, actually, for Jeremy. Yeah, okay. Let's um, hear it. What, what was it like having a debut book come out and also being a bookseller? Because I feel like we get told so little, but you've got a foot in each world. Yeah. Do they ever try and bullshit you, tell, tell you things that you were just like, no, that's not how it works? <laughs> well, no. so my, uh, my experience is a little weird because my book is published by a major publisher in the UK. Um, but was essentially self-published in the United States. I did have the advantage of knowing how book distribution works. So when we were setting up my self-publishing thing, I knew what I needed to make sure was possible. Like the book needed to be returnable. It needed to be at a 40% discount to the bookstores. Um, stuff it needed to be available through Ingram. Um, and so I was able to like make all of that help happen, which I think is why it's done okay. You know, we sell a lot at Antis, but we do, it does sell in a few other independent bookstores around the country. Um, Galance has been pretty straightforward with me. Like we've kind of talked about this in the discord a bit, but um, I have not had the experience of my editor telling me something that turned out to be false. Pretty much everything that they've told me has happened. Um, But also I was not like a huge deal and they were never trying to convince me that I was going to be a huge deal. So there were moments where like I heard a number and I was like, that number doesn't sound right. Like they would tell me, you know, this is your initial print run or this is what we want your initial print run to be. And I was like, I bet it'll be half that. And I was right, you know, but I don't think that that was them like bullshitting me. I think that that was them being optimistic optimistic and then like it not. And then, you know, other things happen and it, it didn't turn out as as well as they had hoped. But the one thing that's really cool about being a bookseller and an author is is like those weird interactions I'll get to have where I'm working at the store and somebody's like just picked my book up off the shelf and is going to buy it. I'm like, oh, I wrote that. And then they're like, what? (laughs) And then I'll sign it for them. And it's it's cool. Um, It was really when you came in on pub day. It was like, Jeremy, you're here. Oh, yeah. I I went in the day it came out and signed a bunch. And that was 
yeah. it was cool. But I think I also just have the advantage of like working at a bookstore. I know a lot of booksellers and I, I know how booksellers think. So when I'm talking to people trying to convince them to carry the book, I know kind of like what works and what doesn't and, and what's annoying and what's helpful and all of that. Um, plus, like I have a bunch of champions at Antis who hand sell the book for me and it's got like three shelf talkers on it or something. So <laughs> that that's definitely awesome. doesn't hurt. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, man. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm done. And that was a wealth of information. Thank you all so much for coming on and telling us all that. Um, kind of wish I'd known it two years ago or at least this <laughs> yeah. had known it two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where, where, where were you all a year and a half ago? I, I guess one last thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally your fault. Um, <laughs> I, gu I guess one last thing before we uh, sign off. Uh, do you do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, give a give a quick shout out to to Antes in in Spokane, and uh, maybe even give authors a way to to send buyers your way if if that's a thing. Yeah. So Antes. Um... We, if you're local, we're just right downtown, hard Spokane, um, pretty easy to find. Uh, we also have antiesbooks.com, our website. We ship all over the country. Um, so, yep, that's 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 us. You can find out about events and book clubs and whatever it is we're doing on the website. Yeah, and if you want to get a hold of a buyer, the best way is just to call and say, this is my book. Yeah, and they'll give you the right, mm -hmm. email. Yeah. Give you the right email. Um, what else? We have our little radio show, a book show where we talk about books called Dummy Copy on TPG Radio here in Spokane. Feel free to plug yourself, uh, JT. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm JT Greathouse. Uh, my book, The Hand of the Sun King, is the first in the Pact and Pattern trilogy from Galantz and Jabberwocky in the United States. You can get signed copies from Auntie's Bookstore. Um, order them online. You can leave a little note if you want me to draw something in it. Um, thanks for having us on. It was really fun to chat. And <laughs> no, it's yeah, our pleasure. Thank, thank you. Thank you. This is super fun. Yeah. Thank you guys for spending an hour and a half with us. This has been amazing. You've been listening to the Publishing Radio Podcast with Sunny Dean and Scott Drakeford. Tune in next time for more in-depth discussion on everything publishing industry. See you later.